This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. You must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Thursday, November 17th, 2022, the 660-something day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month, and in doing so, you will be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't or you simply don't want to, continue listening to the show on a wide range of podcast platforms and, of course, Rumble. All I ask is that you share it with your friends you can find the links to all of that and to the merch store by going to linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. So yesterday, as I wrapped up the show, having spent about an hour talking about how the big announcement of Donald Trump's 2024 candidacy for president was actually a good thing in the world, we didn't get all the little presents we wanted. We didn't get something to throw in the communists' faces, but instead we got a very well-balanced, calm comparison between what life under a Donald Trump presidency was like compared to what we see now with the illegitimate and fake president, Joe Biden, pretending to be president. And it seems like that has lifted some people's spirits after being a little bummed out at what they considered a rather low energy performance from Donald Trump and a speech filled mostly with stuff that we've heard before. But that speech wasn't for us, and it's important to remember that. 
So I finish the show and immediately begin figuring out what it is I've missed over the last few hours that I've been recording. And I start getting into material for the next day. And I decide to press play on the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors hearing from yesterday where the citizens of Maricopa County came in and confronted the Board of Supervisors, people like that slimy little worm, Bill Gates, not the Bill Gates, whose father was on the board of Planned Parenthood and who himself wants to depopulate the planet while also saving everyone's life with vaccines that just so happen to sterilize and kill people. Not that Bill Gates, the Bill Gates in Maricopa County that sits on the board of supervisors and helps to steal elections to benefit people like the Bill Gates who wants to depopulate the planet. So he was there and old Clint Hickman was there. You might remember Clint Hickman. He had his family's chicken farm business burned down in March of 2021 around the time that the Maricopa County forensic audit was beginning. But surely they're not connected. And that massive fire is definitely not why Clint Hickman is fully on board with the global communist agenda to steal elections in the United States. Now, I am certain that there are public officials involved in stealing elections all around the country who would absolutely be more reprehensible than Bill Gates and Clint Hickman, but they're the most popular people that fit that description. So they retain the title of most reprehensible. It's kind of like winning a Grammy. It doesn't mean you made the best music. It just means you sold a lot of records and they shouldn't give Grammys out for that. Honestly, the reward for selling a lot of records is money. But I digress. Anyway, I know that we all love a good display of citizens taking their public representatives to task in public hearings. It's kind of my drug of choice. I mean, just stick it in my veins. So you can imagine how much I relish this opportunity. And I have to say, I left the experience absolutely inspired. And I think you will, too. So I'm going to share a few clips from that hearing yesterday. These are just normal American citizens speaking up for their rights. How you doing? My name is Chris Hamlet. I'm an 82nd Airborne veteran, um, ran for the Mesa School Board this last election. While I was electioneering at the polling places, of course, past the 75-foot mark, um, I was at a conservative church called Central Christian Church on Lindsay Road in Mesa. Um, within the first half an hour, both tabulators are down. We had a small, very small line there. All of a sudden, it's about a half a mile long. Then one gentleman came out, and he was hooping and hollering, so everybody just said, you know what, we're done here, and they all left. That was, design, that was by design to discourage voters. People left there. I literally went up to a liberal church two minutes up the road and was out of there in 20 minutes. You're giving the appearance of fraud. It looks like fraud. It looks like 2020. It looks like an instant replay. There's no other way to do this but to have another election, to completely scrap this. It's, it's, it's absurd to continue this charade and think that we are going to have anything less than tainted results when you're done. How are we going to ever trust the elections? We go this long and you think it's going to work. You must scrub the whole thing, have a new one, one day, paper ballots counted by the end of the day and call it done. It needs to be done completely over again. Um, it's convenient that YouTube is down today. You guys have a lot of tricks up your sleeve. It's very convenient. Now that I've got a little time left, I want to talk about the 2020 election. When you guys all left out of this room, you, you locked the media out. Then, you, then they came in just long enough at, for the last half an hour in order for you to grandstand, mostly you, Mr. Gallardo. So Mr. Gates, Mr. Gallardo, you are the most corrupt men on this board. This entire board is corrupt. You need to be replaced. You should not be representing us. You know it. I know it, and the American people know it. We're done with your nonsense. It's time to get some real men in here. This is the epitome of weak, corrupt men. You five up here. Now, you all know it's not anything that, that has to be proven. You've admitted it. 
and also Stephen Richard has admitted that there has been gross misconduct during this election. And for that, you cannot certify the results, period. I mean, that's just a fact. We don't have to sit up here and prove case by case, although we could. I have heard two separate reports from the same polling location that they took the box three ballots and they didn't use the blue boxes like they're required to according to procedure in the manual. They ran out of space and they put them in trash bags with a zip tie. So chain of custody is, is no good. To say that there were only 17,000 of those when it was at 70 locations, uh, or 17,000, I apologize, it's probably closer to 70. That comes to less than 250 ballots per location that had a problem. And the problem existed from basically 6 a.m. to 4 p.m. Um, that's less than 250 ballots per location. And you hear everybody telling you, including I believe you in your reports and interviews that you've given about the percentages, we can't accept these results. This is an illegitimate election. It is your job to, to provide the remedy. We, we want a secure, fair election. Make that happen. Thank you. This is a farce. This election absolutely, along with the 2020, is no longer uh, certifiable. This needs to be redone. We need ballots that are paper. It needs to be counted in one day. If Florida can count, which is twice our size, uh, the amount with a hurricane, then we should be able to do it in one day as well. And the fact that we don't is a disgrace to not only the Arizonans that you're trying to represent, but what I'm also trying to Mr. represent. Zink, your time is up. Thank you. Mr. Leggett. Good morning. My name is John Leggett. I'm a Phoenix resident. I have an affidavit I want to present to each of the members. Can I hand that to the clerk? I come here to represent my grandchildren, my children and my grandchildren. I don't want them coming to me asking me, Grandpa, what were you doing when this republic was taken down by corruption and fraud? I'm going to ask you a question. What is the motto of our state? Does anyone have an answer? The motto of our state? Detat Dias, God and riches. We moved here from Massachusetts, the capital of corruption, to try to get free from that. I don't feel enriched right now. I feel betrayed. I feel discouraged. I feel abandoned by elected officials who can't take up, screw up the courage to stand against whatever the unseen hand is that's offering blandishments and threats to our elected officials across this country. We are ground zero right here. We have had discussions about this. You've taken an oath of office, and, and we, we have been left in the lurch. John Adams said our Constitution was made for a moral people. It is wholly inadequate to govern any other. We have an immoral governance here in this county, and you are responsible. I'm sorry to say that I'm a Maricopa County resident. I, I think about where could I move? There is no other place. We are, we are, we're like the forces at Dunkirk. We're up against the English Channel. So I want you to, to uh, understand one thing from the Bible. Beware, your sins will find you out. There are going to be some serious investigations. I would suggest that you get ahead of the curve Turn yourself over to state's evidence. Your time is up, sir. Thank you for joining Thank you, us. and come clean. Uh, next week. Thank you. Thank you for showing us exactly and specifically who you are and what you're about. It's clear as, clear as day to us. You have woken a sleeping giant, and we're not going to tolerate this. Furthermore, this is a notice for you all for notice of dereliction of duty and invalid acts. Uh, Yes, that to be submitted to everyone. The elections were unlawful because the voting machines were not accredited in accordance with Arizona Statute 16-442 Bravo, which requires, in accordance with the HAVA Act, the voting machines must be properly certified by, by an accredited 
an accredited test lab, not an, a lab that had its accreditation expired. So that's under investigation, and that calls for the nullification of the entire election, the revote, and a hand count because the machines can't be used. We all know it. We've all seen it. I was a Paul Marshall. I saw probably 50 to 75 percent of the ballots rejected and go into door three. So we know what you did. You know what you've done, and God knows what you've done. I'd ask you to heed uh, Commissioner O'Connor's original notification, my notification here today, my affidavit notifying you, you are all notified and on record that you've heard this before and after the elections. The only option is nullification, revote, and a hand count. Let me repeat so I'm clear, nullification, revote, and a hand count. I would ask you to confess and repent. And may the consequences of your actions be on your heads. I warn you and I caution you. We got a big God. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Mr. Schaefer. Again, if we can please. So I hope that wasn't boring. I love that stuff. I love hearing the American people going out there and speaking truth to power in a formal setting where these corrupt officials have to hear it right to their face from the people. Everybody knows. Everybody knows what happened in the Arizona election. The citizens of Arizona certainly know what they experienced. They certainly know what their neighbors believe. And they know there's absolutely no way that Katie Hobbs, the secretary of state of Arizona, who helped steal the 2020 election and then campaigned from her basement, did not debate Carrie Lake. They know that there is no way Katie Hobbs won that election in a free and fair election. And they know the election was not free and fair. And now Katie Hobbs is going to certify those election results. The Maricopa County Board of Supervisors, after having all of that on the record, is going to certify those election results. These people are criminals and it's time they were dealt with. For sure, I share your frustration that they have not been dealt with after 2020 and that they have not yet been dealt with in the aftermath of the 2022 midterms. But it's early and this process is just beginning. We are going to have to see how this process plays out. But as of last evening, Carrie Lake was down 0.6%. If that becomes 0.5%, then that triggers an automatic recount. And there is a movement right now in Arizona to have the election rerun properly on December 6th in the way they described. Paper ballots, one day, hand marked, hand counted. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen or if they will just hit a big brick wall of corruption as they usually do. You got to be sure that Mark Elias is probably out there. Other Democrat lawyers are out there trying to make sure that nothing else can happen. They can just solidify their fraudulent result and install a bunch of illegitimate Democrats into office in Arizona. As before, you got to remember They steal elections up and down the ballots. It's not just Carrie Lake. It's Blake Masters. It's Mark Fincham. It's Abe Hamaday. Now, Abe Hamaday still has a chance. Mark Fincham hasn't conceded. Blake Masters, for whatever reason, has conceded. And I don't know how that would play out in terms of a do-over election if they are able to get to that point. Hopefully, the people would be able to go out and vote for the candidates they voted for in the first election, regardless of whether or not they conceded after being given fraudulent election results. I hope they can just do the whole thing over. If that happens, we are going to see a major difference in the outcomes of these races. Kerry Lake and Katie Hobbs should not be anywhere close in terms of real votes. There was a YouTube video out yesterday. I saw it on the feed of Jeff O'Donnell, the cyber expert, a lone raccoon on Telegram. And it's about eight minutes of video of a Dropbox in Maricopa County where cars just keep pulling up and throwing in eight ballots or 10 ballots. 
just people pulling up and putting ballot after ballot after ballot after ballot into the drop box. And of course, those ballots were harvested. And once again, it's important to note that the Republican idea, the establishment Republican idea that somehow we need to get better at this ballot harvesting system is just ridiculous. And you understand why when you see videos like this. The election fraud system with the mail-in ballots is not something you can just outperform the establishment on. They know where the ballots are sent. If they send a thousand ballots to an empty lot and then know that they can go pick those ballots up and they send 300 to a 10 unit apartment building and they know they can go pick those 300 up, that's not something that can be fixed by establishment Republican organizers spending a bunch of money to create their own massive ground game for ballot harvesting. And of course, it also ignores the fact that that's not what Democrats are doing. They're not just going around to real people's houses and getting their ballots from them, though they are doing that too. They are going to retrieve ballots that are sent to locations where there is no expected recipient at the location. There's no actual person to be there to receive the ballot in the first place. So unless these very astute conservative incorporated commentators think they're going to get access to the databases on where all of these ballots are sent to then be harvested, there is absolutely no way to beat that system. And of course, they're not going to get access to those databases. That is a losing strategy from the beginning. The only solution is full public exposure of election fraud to the point where the public demands to have legitimate elections. And I understand that that is not a fast fix strategy. It is still the fastest fix available and the only one that will actually work. You cannot win elections in this system. People have theorized that it's possible to overwhelm the fraud. And in certain places, it might be. That's not the only good reason to go out and vote. It's important to be out there voting in case forensic audits are done so that the real votes are there. They're cast. They're on record. And it's important as a show of force. The fact that there really are that many of us who are saying no to the establishment and using our vote to do it. At the same time, we can't expect that we are just going to win races that way when they have a system designed specifically to produce the outcomes that we've seen produced. If what happened yesterday in Maricopa County was happening at public hearings all around the country, this stuff might go faster. It really is up to the people ultimately to make their voices heard, to inform their neighbors and their friends and their family, and to go take action like this and to organize within the communities, try to stop these election certifications because they are the product of fraud. But that's not the only good and inspiring news from the last 24 hours. There's a bunch of stuff going on. This happened today. No matter what title you all, my colleagues, have bestowed upon me, speaker, leader, whip. There is no greater official honor for me than to stand on this floor and to speak for the people of San Francisco. This I will continue to do as a member of the House, speaking for the people of San Francisco, serving the great state of California, and defending our Constitution. And with great confidence in our caucus, I will not seek re-election to Democratic leadership in the next Congress. Now that, my friends, feels like a win. Nancy Pelosi is done being Speaker of the House, and she is done being part of the Democrat House leadership. Now, who knows what she's going to do next? There have been some indications, some rumors that she is going to be named ambassador to Italy. So maybe she can just fly over there and hang out in Vatican City with her friend Pope Francis and hope that will provide enough protection so that she cannot be prosecuted for her decades of corruption 
and her selling out of American interests and the interests of her constituents for enormous sums of money. And of course, all of her insider trading. It's important to remember that Nancy Pelosi's father was actually a communist politician affiliated with the Communist Party and also a man with mafia ties. Nancy Pelosi has led a life of political crime and corruption, and that is the family business, much like it is for Joe Biden. And it seems that that story is finally coming to the fore now. Congressman James Comer from Kentucky and Congressman Jim Jordan from Ohio had a press conference today announcing investigations by the House Oversight Committee and the House Judiciary Committee into Joe Biden, not just Hunter, Joe Biden. We are releasing a report today that details what we have uncovered. We're also sending letters to the Biden administration officials and Biden family associates renewing our request for voluntary production of documents relevant to this investigation. This is an investigation of Joe Biden, the president of the United States, and why he lied to the American people about his knowledge and participation in his family's international business schemes. National security interests require the committee conduct investigation, and we will pursue all avenues, avenues that have long been ignored. Committee Republicans have uncovered evidence of federal crimes committed by and to the benefit of members of the president's family. These include conspiracy or defrauding the United States, wire fraud, conspiracy to commit wire fraud, violation of the Foreign Agents Registration Act, violations of the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, violations of the Trafficking Victims Protection Act, tax evasion, money laundering, and conspiracy to commit money laundering. The Biden family's business dealings implicate a wide range of criminality from human trafficking to potential violations of the Constitution. In the 118th Congress, this committee will evaluate the status of Joe Biden's relationship with his family's foreign partners and whether he is a president who is compromised or swayed by foreign dollars and influence. I want to be clear. This is an investigation of Joe Biden. And that's where the committee will focus in this next Congress. So there we have it. If we are to trust James Comer and Jim Jordan, and I think that there is at least some reason to trust them, that they're going to handle this appropriately and that they're going to stick with it, then we are about to see a replay of what was done to Donald Trump, except this time it's based on actual evidence. You can go look at the Marco Polo report on the Biden laptop for yourself and see evidence of at least 459 different crimes and other violations. This isn't some weird P-tape that somehow means Donald Trump is colluding with the Russians to steal an election. This isn't a made-up story about Donald Trump cheating on his wife with a porn star, and then the porn star's lawyer spends 24 hours a day on CNN. This isn't some strange nonsense about how Donald Trump was trying to profit by having people stay at his hotels while he was also giving away his $400,000 a year salary. And it's not some ridiculous fishing expedition with some supposedly classified nuclear documents held at Mar-a-Lago. And we'll get to more of that in a second. This is an investigation into the illegitimate president of the United States for crimes he has committed over the course of decades, fully evidenced in his son's own laptop. And it's not just the laptop. They also have 14 FBI whistleblowers. They also have bank records of suspicious activity reports, which are basically instances of the bank flagging transactions. Some of those transactions were because Hunter Biden was sending money to people who were under the suspicion of international human trafficking as they were facilitating the procurement of prostitutes for the fake president's son. And that was laid out today in the press conference. Here is more from James Comer. The more you look into Hunter Biden, the more 
bad things pop up. I don't know if that's the situation. I don't know if he's getting resistance at the Department of, of Justice. Uh, from what I've heard, they're looking into the tax evasion. There's no question he's evaded taxes. That's why he got the Hollywood lawyer to loan him $2 million to try to get caught up with the IRS on his tax bill. But at the, at the end of the day, uh, we're focused on some things that, that I think every American needs answers to. And one thing that I've learned from talking to a lot of you off off the scene here is that I don't think a lot of people realize the evidence that's already out there uh, pertaining to Hunter Biden. And I don't think anybody realized that Joe Biden is, in fact, involved in a lot of these. He was, in fact, involved in a lot of these. So the goal from this press conference is, is to show you, uh, number one, this is an investigation of Joe Biden. We're focused on the bank records. We're very specifically focused on the bank records and the bank violations. Bank violate. And remember, Congress used to have access to the bank violations until Joe Biden changed the rules, which that in itself should be a front page story above the fold. I'm not telling you what to do, but that's pretty odd that he would change the rules to do that. Uh, and we laid out why we think it's important. And you have to love the symmetry that we're seeing between what we experienced them doing to Donald Trump and what will now be turned right back around on them. Remember, they impeached Donald Trump for the fact that Rudy Giuliani was investigating this exact corruption, the Biden corruption worldwide, but particularly in Ukraine. And their basis for that impeachment was a phone call between Donald Trump and Volodymyr Zelensky that Adam Schiff essentially made up from nothing, believing there wasn't a transcript out there. And then, of course, Donald Trump got the transcript, released the transcript, and the transcript showed quite clearly that it wasn't about a quid pro quo. And it wasn't about going after someone who would eventually become his political opponent in the next election. It was about going after crimes and the evidence of those crimes is in the Marco Polo report on the Biden laptop. And I imagine that we will hear even more about what the Biden family was doing as the investigation progresses. It is nice that it is now official. The fake president is under congressional investigation for actual crimes that have an actual cost to the American people. Joe Biden was facilitating energy deals with the Chinese Communist Party that have a legitimate impact on the situation Americans find themselves in in regard to our energy resources and the cost of that energy. And how do the Democrats respond? How does the media respond? How do the very edgy centrist influencers respond? Well, the talking points for the day are we were told that the GOP was going to focus on inflation and gas prices, and that's why people went out and voted for them. But they tricked all their voters, and now they're just going to go after Joe Biden for some things that happened a long time ago. And I guess they think that that's going to be enough to distract Americans from the fact that Joe Biden has committed hundreds of crimes and abused his office and sold out the interests of Americans. That's absurd. The fact that the illegitimate president is provably one of, if not the most corrupt politicians in American history is as important as any issue in politics could ever be. And through the exposure of all this and the eventual removal of these communists leading us into the global order and implementing the global agenda, well, that in itself is going to help inflation and gas prices. We don't need to pretend and we should not pretend that the solution to all of these very practical problems that we find in our current politics can somehow be solved by passing bills in the new Congress that would then have to pass through the illegitimately Democrat Senate and be signed by the illegitimate president. That is not the productive way to spend the next two years. 
It would be wonderful if the Republican Congress passes absolutely nothing and just focuses the entire time exposing the corrupt politicians in the American government and the federal bureaucracy and thwarting any attempt to further implement the global agenda. That is more than enough for me. Now, it's possible that we wouldn't need these sorts of investigations to be happening all the time if the American media would simply do its job rather than propagandizing the American public and making use of big tech censorship in coordination with the government to stifle any dissent from the official story and from the central narrative. But it doesn't seem like they're going to do that. Especially not if this moment from the question and answer portion of the press conference is any indication of where the American media is headed. So that's what we're, we're, we're interested in getting to the bottom of. And, and you, the only way you can hold people accountable and hopefully stop the behavior is to present it to the country. That's what we got to do. So we're committed to doing it in an aggressive fashion, but in a way that's consistent with the Constitution. Thank you. Um, we know that the Department of Justice and FBI has been investigating Hunter Biden since 2018. How do we? How do you know that these uh, claims that you are laying out in your remarks today and some of the examples that you have up here aren't claims that have already been fully investigated uh, by those federal prosecutors? Yeah, we don't know. And can I follow up with the um, map that you were referring to? When was that uh, PowerPoint from? That PowerPoint was from. What year do we know exactly? I think it's in your packet, but 2017. So my follow-up there is, you know, if this is from 2017, how, what is the connection to, you know, the current energy crisis now? That, that was years ago. It's amazing, isn't it? It's like they don't want anyone to talk about it. This is from a long time ago. How does this connect to what's going on now? Well, first of all, that stuff can be laid out and you're a journalist. You can actually figure it out for yourself. You could also just read the Marco Polo report on the Biden laptop. But also, why is that the critical question? Why aren't you worried about the fact that the fake president has been committing political crimes for decades? But we'll see where all this goes. We'll see how much the media picks up on it. Apparently, Fox News is covering it today. It's possible that they could be preparing to move on from Joe Biden. It's got to happen at some point. The Washington Times ran a strange article today propping up Kamala Harris as the most likely Democrat candidate for 2024. They ran a headline that Kamala is just hitting her stride. I wonder if Kamala's press office just wrote that article for the supposedly conservative Washington Times. At some point, you would think it would have to be better politically to get rid of Joe Biden using the 25th Amendment or some other means rather than having him continue pretending to be president while this investigation happens in Congress. And there are headlines every day about Joe Biden's history of political corruption. Now, in terms of some of the response to Donald Trump's speech the other night, as I mentioned the other day, there's a renewed push to have Donald Trump indicted for something in hopes of preventing Trump from running. They also have another effort underway. This is from The Hill yesterday. House Democrat eyes legislation to bar Trump from office under 14th Amendment. Representative David Cicilline and Cicilline was one of the members of Congress tasked with prosecuting Donald Trump in the second fake impeachment. The one after Donald Trump was not president anymore. David Cicilline is eyeing legislation that would bar former President Trump from serving in office under the 14th Amendment for leading an insurrection against the United States. Now, again. No one's been charged with insurrection still from January 6th, 2021. And Donald Trump certainly did not lead an insurrection. There is absolutely no evidence anywhere in the world that even suggests that this claim can be substantiated. But they don't care because they're scared of Donald Trump running. Why are they so scared of Donald Trump running? Why is the establishment scared of Donald Trump when they control 
the elections. Cicilline, who served as an impeachment manager during Trump's first impeachment, sent a letter to his Democratic colleagues Tuesday night previewing a bill to prevent Trump from holding office and soliciting co-sponsors for the measure. And this article only mentions the first impeachment, but he was an impeachment manager in the second impeachment as well. It is unclear when the congressman plans to introduce the bill. The listed deadline for lawmakers to co-sponsor the measure is Thursday at noon. The Rhode Island Democrats circulated the letter the same night Trump announced his 2024 campaign for president. Given the proof demonstrated through the January 6th committee hearings, the 2021 impeachment trial and other reporting that Donald Trump engaged in insurrection on January 6th with the intention of overturning the lawful 2020 election results. I have drafted legislation that would prevent Donald Trump from holding public office again under the 14th Amendment, Cicilline wrote. And that is where we're at in our collapsing banana republic as it's being led by an illegitimate president. The illegitimate regime is trying to make sure that Donald Trump can't run for president by passing legislation in the lame duck period. Many of the people who will be voting on this measure will not even be in Congress next year. It should be unimaginable in a free and open society for something like this to even be proposed. But of course, these people don't care about free and open societies. They don't care about the Constitution and they don't care about the will of the people. They wouldn't be scared of Donald Trump if they didn't understand that Donald Trump has the people on his side. So what they're doing is not only going after Donald Trump, but they are going after the people indirectly by way of Donald Trump. They're attempting to pass legislation so that one person cannot run for president. What is the principle here? Donald Trump has not been tried for insurrection. There is no proof of insurrection, certainly not from the illegitimate January 6th committee, certainly not from the illegitimate second impeachment. And the idea that other reporting constitutes evidence of insurrection sufficient to bar someone from running for president is absolutely preposterous. This is straight up banana republic stuff, but that's not their only failing attempt. I mentioned earlier in the week that the investigation into Rudy Giuliani had been dropped. There would be no charges forthcoming for Rudy Giuliani's work in Ukraine investigating the fake president. But what else is falling apart? This is from Monday, but people largely missed it. This is the Washington Post. Investigators see ego not money, as Trump's motive on classified papers. Federal agents and prosecutors have come to believe former President Donald Trump's motive for allegedly taking and keeping classified documents was largely his ego and a desire to hold on to the materials as trophies or mementos, according to people familiar with the matter. As part of the investigation, federal authorities reviewed the classified documents that were recovered from Trump's Mar-a-Lago home and private club, looking to see if the types of information contained in them pointed to any kind of pattern or similarities, according to these people, who spoke on the condition of anonymity to discuss an ongoing investigation. You see, when FBI Director Christopher Wray appears in front of the Senate, he can't answer any questions due to the fact that every single possible subject is tied up in an ongoing and open investigation that the FBI is holding for themselves. These are just not the kinds of things you can discuss in Senate testimony, but you absolutely can disclose whatever makes your side look good to Washington Post reporters employed by Jeff Bezos. And all you have to do is remain anonymous. That's how you hold public officials accountable, apparently. That review has not found any apparent business advantage to the types of classified information in Trump's possession, these people said. FBI interviews with witnesses so far, they said, also do not point to any nefarious effort by Trump to leverage, sell or use the government secrets. 
Instead, the former president seemed motivated by a more basic desire not to give up what he believed was his property, these people said. Now, they are still referring to these as classified documents. These were formerly classified documents that Donald Trump declassified and has every right to take with him. But even that aside, the whole story is falling apart. Remember how they framed the Mar-a-Lago raid. Remember how all the Democrats online, all the Democrat influencers, all the never Trumpers, the National Review types. Remember how they framed all of this. It was just Donald Trump doing what he wanted. Doesn't matter what the law is. Donald Trump doesn't care. He's taking dangerous classified information with him to his private residence and compromising national security, potentially even with the nuclear codes. Several Trump advisors said that each time he was asked to give documents or materials back, his stance hardened and that he gravitated toward lawyers and advisors who indulged his more pugilistic desires. Trump repeatedly said the materials were his, not the government's, often in profane terms, two of these people said. Now, what is the problem with Donald Trump heeding the advice of lawyers and advisors who tell him he actually has no reason to give any of that information to these investigators? Donald Trump is allowed to make use of the law like anyone else is. He doesn't have to get lawyers and advisors that tell him to be nice to the illegitimate government and its illegitimate Department of Justice all the time. But that's not Trump making use of the law and defending himself within the bounds of the law. That's Trump being pugilistic. And he even used profanity. The people familiar with the matter caution that the investigation is ongoing, that no final determinations have been made, and that it is possible additional information could emerge that changes investigators' understanding of Trump's motivations. But they said the evidence collected over a period of months indicates the primary explanation for potentially criminal conduct was Trump's ego and intransigence. You see that? Donald Trump is just so out of control that he listened to the wrong lawyers and has now walked himself into a crime, except they still can't describe what the crime is, what the substance of the crime is. What did Donald Trump take that he was not allowed to take? The mainstream media won't tell us that the documents are actually declassified and that Donald Trump has sole power to declassify those documents which he did, but it is nonetheless true. There is no potential criminal conduct, which is why the Washington Post is using this type of language. The determinations have not yet been made. It's possible that additional information could emerge. And if and when that additional information might emerge, then it's possible that that additional information might indicate that there's something nefarious going on. And if there is, maybe it could even be potentially criminal conduct. There's no reason to believe any of that now. And if the subject were anything else, if this was about Joe Biden or elections or COVID or anything else, we would be hearing about how these are baseless claims and there is no evidence. All these claims are made without evidence. And in that alternate universe, maybe it would be one of us writing this article about Joe Biden. And for doing so, we would be called conspiracy theorists. But it's not a conspiracy theory when the Washington Post publishes it. That's how you know it's not a conspiracy theory. Doesn't matter what the underlying evidence is. Doesn't matter what the motivation is for publishing garbage like this. It only matters that it's the Washington Post doing it, and therefore, this is important journalism. A Justice Department spokesman and an FBI spokeswoman declined to comment. A Trump spokesman did not return a request for comment Monday. And honestly, why would any Trump people respond to requests for comment from the Washington Post? The analysis of Trump's likely motive in allegedly keeping the documents is not, strictly speaking, 
an element of determining whether he or anyone around him committed a crime or should be charged with one. Justice Department policy dictates that prosecutors file criminal charges in cases in which they believe a crime was committed and the evidence is strong enough to lead to a conviction that will hold up on appeal. But as a practical matter, motive is an important part of how prosecutors assess cases and decide whether to file criminal charges. And so that is why the Washington Post needs to publish this very important piece that essentially takes down their entire narrative about what was found at Mar-a-Lago. But they want to reinforce the fact that no matter what, Donald Trump is a very, very, very bad man. And if we can't indict him legally, perhaps at least we can indict him in our hearts. Now, this article goes on and on, repeating the slogans, filling in the rest of the central narrative so that the child-brained readers of the Washington Post can know that no matter what, they're still right. And the walls are closing in again around Donald Trump. Sure, the Mar-a-Lago raid and everything surrounding it about the classified documents has largely disappeared like a fart in the wind. But surely there is something illegal under there and they're going to find it. And at the point they find it, well, then, oh, then Donald Trump is in big, big trouble. Jump down to the end. A federal appeals court ruled that there was no reason to shield the classified documents from the FBI and the Justice Department. But an outside expert known as a special master appointed by a federal judge in Florida was given authority to review the 13,000 unclassified documents to see if any may be privileged. That review is scheduled to be completed next month. Any decision on whether to file charges in the documents case is unlikely to occur before the special master review is complete as prosecutors have argued in court filings that even the non-classified documents taken in the search may include relevant evidence. But relevant evidence of what? I thought the whole thing was about Donald Trump taking classified information that presents a national security risk. But now the non-classified documents are a problem too, huh? In a legal filing last week, lawyers for Trump suggested, as they have before, that the sensitive material at the heart of the government's investigation may not be classified. As they did in previous filings, though, the former president's lawyers studiously avoided claiming that Trump had, in fact, declassified them, an act that could be used in Trump's defense if he is charged. The government, again, presupposes the documents bearing classification markings are, in fact, classified. Trump's lawyer said in a 67 page appeal response that insists Trump, quote, had unfettered authority to declassify documents, end quote. And that, of course, is true. Trump has claimed publicly that he declassified everything in his home and did not need to follow any formal process to do so. That is also true. As Trump's lawyers have skirted the question of whether, in fact, Trump declassified the material that was later found at his home. Prosecutors have tried to get that answer from other sources, including longtime Trump loyalist Cash Patel. Is Cash Patel a longtime Trump loyalist? Maybe. But why is the Washington Post describing him that way? He is a former federal prosecutor. He was also the right hand man to Devin Nunes as they were investigating Russiagate. He worked at the National Security Council. And Donald Trump appointed him as the chief of staff to acting U.S. Defense Secretary Christopher Miller. Why doesn't the Washington Post share that with us? Why do they just call him a Trump loyalist as if he's just part of the Trump cult and just doing what he's told doesn't matter about the law? That's what they're implying. Cash Patel is just in on it, but it's not a conspiracy theory because it's in the Washington Post. Patel appeared before a grand jury in Washington earlier this month and was given a limited form of immunity to answer questions about whether he witnessed Trump declassifying the documents, according to a person familiar with the matter. It is not yet clear what answers Patel, who had spoken in media interviews about Trump declassifying documents, gave the grand jury. And since it's not clear, we're just going to continue assuming 
that he was lying on television about Trump declassifying those documents. And the documents are still very classified and very dangerous and threatening to national security and may still contain nuclear codes and maybe about Donald Trump selling nuclear materials to some country around the world. Whatever they make up, it's just fine. Doesn't matter at all. Not a conspiracy theory. It's in the Washington Post. Now, how about one more major media scandal that is completely falling apart? This is from PJ Media Today. Report. Paul Pelosi seen opening door for police on body cam video as originally reported. Paul Pelosi, husband of outgoing House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, was indeed seen peacefully opening the door to his home for police on the night he was severely beaten by an intruder last month. The Biden Department of Justice denied early reports that Pelosi didn't declare an emergency to police. And NBC reporter Miguel Almaguer was suspended on Tuesday for including that detail in his original report, since retracted. And yet NBC Bay Area reporter Bigad Shaban claimed Wednesday that police body cam footage supports Almaguer's initial story. According to a source familiar with the Pelosi investigation who personally viewed the body camera footage, if true, Pelosi at least appeared to be in no imminent danger when police arrived and national NBC News may have had no reason to scrub Almaguer's story. So, oops, I guess NBC actually expired the story about Pelosi opening the door for police. But of course, it turns out to be true. And that bit of information alone refutes the entirety of the original official story. You can't just get everything wrong and then expect people to believe you at this point in time. Maybe a few years ago, that would have worked. The censorship was strong enough. The propaganda was effective enough. But not anymore. People saw through that story in a couple of hours. And now this huge incident that they actually used to blame MAGA extremists for political violence they're not committing just isn't true at all. Are we going to hear about what actually happened? No, we probably won't. This story will just disappear. They'll keep it tied up in a federal investigation so no one can ever find out the details of an ongoing investigation unless, of course, People at the DOJ decide to just leak it to a Washington Post reporter on the condition of anonymity, and the story will just eventually be gone. And we won't hear from anyone involved really ever again, except, of course, the FBI field agent who is known to file these sorts of affidavits when it comes to invented acts of potential political violence against prominent California Democrats. Now, I mentioned yesterday about the state constitutional court in Berlin deciding that an election from 2021 was invalidated and had to be done over. And while that election in particular might not have direct importance to American issues, it is good that we can see stuff like that happening around the world because it indicates that that sort of thing is possible and that it is just and that sometimes it's necessary. It's also good that we're seeing the example right now provided by the people of Brazil, millions of people out in the streets demanding justice, demanding that the will of the people is upheld and Jair Bolsonaro remains the president of Brazil rather than the corrupt and sold out communist Lula whose election was stolen on his behalf by the global communists using systems similar to the ones used to steal elections in our country and others. Now, one of my favorite things about the new media environment is how you can follow a number of channels and understand over time that they are on the right track. They're sharing important information. Their analysis is solid. All of that's awesome. One of the Really interesting things to me, though, is that even among that, people will find issues that they really care about and they'll latch on to them and they'll stick with them. And they're going to be the ones who find the information that the rest of us 
are missing if we are not focused on those particular issues. Now, I care a lot about the Brazilian election and someone who's been doing a great job getting all of that information and pushing it out is Paul Sarin on Telegram, and he's on other platforms as well. But it's just fantastic that you can know where to turn for good coverage and a good flow of information on particular subjects like this. He's like my go-to, one of my go-tos for what's going on in Brazil. He had a couple of posts this morning. This is one of them. Alexandra de Moraes, this is a member of the Brazilian Supreme Court, sends Calero's request to the PGR to remove Nogueira, Minister of Defense. Minister Alexandra de Moraes sent this Wednesday to the Attorney General's office a request from Deputy Marcelo Calero to remove the Minister of Defense, General Paulo Sergio Nogueira. In the request filed on November 11th, Calero alleges that Nogueira has been making statements about alleged fraud in the electoral process, acting on behalf of President Jair Bolsonaro and his allies. He recalls that the Ministry of Defense itself did not point out the existence of election fraud. For the deputy, the minister's permanence puts at risk the physical integrity of citizens who would be, quote, almost involuntarily encouraged, end quote, to support the Brazilian constitutional rupture. So there is basically a power struggle going on there right now. And as all dictatorial and illegitimate regimes do, they are trying to remove members of the military who they believe will not be loyal to the illegitimate regime. And Paul Serin goes on on this subject in his next post. Brazilian army releases official note condemning the attack on the armed forces that politicians and judges have been carrying out in recent days. Quote, such publications have been characterized by the malicious and criminal attempt to reach the honored military personnel with more than 40 years of services rendered to Brazil, as well as to tarnish the unshakable cohesion of the army of I'm going to say this wrong because I don't know how to speak Portuguese but it's spelled like Caxias. Maybe it's Cajas. Someone can tell me in the comments. By anonymously and cowardly trying to spread disinformation within the force and the society, these groups of individuals only attest to their lack of ethics and professionalism. The Brazilian army remains cohesive and united, always in its constitutional missions, having in the hierarchy and discipline of its members the amalgam that makes it respected by the Brazilian people, your guarantor. So the corrupt elements within the regime are trying to push members of the military out. They are obviously concerned about the potential of the military to dispute the legitimacy of Lula's ascent. And the military is confirming its cohesion and its commitment to their constitutional role, which does involve them in guaranteeing the legitimacy of the elections. If you haven't seen the footage, the video, the pictures of the uprising of the Brazilian people, you should make sure to check it out. I have it all over the information stream on Telegram, t.me slash I'm your moderator. You can certainly find Paul Sarin's channel on Telegram. The last name is S-E-R-R-A-N and Matthew Tiermond on Twitter and Getter and some other platforms is a great follow for Brazilian information as well. But what the people are doing there is truly inspiring. They are petitioning the military to act on their behalf, knowing that that election was stolen. So things are in motion around the world. I know that it doesn't feel like enough is happening. It's not happening fast enough, but the world is waking up. And when the world does wake up, that's when all of the problems can be solved much more quickly because the public will be pushing for these problems to be solved, knowing who the real problems are and understanding that it's not Donald Trump. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic and Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do 
by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree. Linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!